Welcome to our show. <clears throat> I'm your host, or one of them, Kyle. And I'm Joe, the other host. <clears throat> and today we will talk about Godfather, part two. Yeah, directed by and produced by Francis Ford Coppola and written by Francis Ford <clears throat> Coppola and Mario Puzo. And I think uh, those are the exact same credits as the first movie. So hopefully you listened to the first episode. Because you might be confused if yeah. you didn't. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Especially if you've never seen the first one, you watch the second one. You'll be really confused. Yeah, this is... Uh, <clears throat> don't just watch the second one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but this is a, this is another great movie, number three on IMDb. <clears throat> it, seems, it seems pretty crazy that number one and two are number two and three on IMDb. Um, that shows how highly or critically acclaimed they are. And... Yeah, and I believe they both have a 9.0, so I think they pretty much have identical scores. Um, And uh, I believe it was uh, received with a lot of success when it came out. Um, I know both of them received Oscars. Robert De Niro won the Oscar, I know for sure, um, for his role as Vito. And I'm not sure, I'm looking on here, I'm not sure if they won other... Uh, one other. Oh, yeah. It says won six other Oscars, best picture, best actor in a supporting role, um, which was De Niro, um, best director, best writing, which was uh Francis Ford Coppola, best art direction and set direction, which is kind. Of, I mean, it is really good, but yeah. it's just kind of an interesting. Um, well, especially for the time. I mean, I'm guessing it probably did have the best. Um. Which I would, which maybe we'll talk about later, but I did wonder how they kind of shot those, uh, the scenes in Sicily because they also filmed in the first one, and they're like identical, and so I don't know if I mean I'm assuming they were real cities that yeah. they shot in, and then and they just happened to be able to go back to the exact same spots. But anyway, that was interesting, and um, they won best actor in a leading role, so that was Pacino, and best music. <coughs> So. Oh yeah, it's, it won a lot, and <clears throat> I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want to hate on older movies. Was this made in '74, right? <clears throat> I believe so. Um, but unlike unlike now, I, I don't think you had. I, I'm not saying they didn't put out a lot of movies, but uh, you know, nothing really compared to the Godfather movies at that point. And and I and I, it probably I wasn't around back then. I wasn't alive. But I'm gonna guess it probably just could have won even more Oscars. It's just, it's that good. I mean, even if it were around now, it probably would win multiple Oscars. So. Yeah, I mean, I think the um, <clears throat> it would be interesting to look up the other winners that year. Um, but definitely in American cinema, as far as I'm aware, uh, this was a big, uh, a big step up. In quality, or I, I don't know if I should say quality, but just in in what it was doing in realism, so to speak, of of showing 
this is the first mafia movie to show the effect that the focus on family and focus on mobsters as real humans that have depth <clears throat> versus these mobsters with Tommy guns and hats and um, and they're just these bad guys running around the streets and these in these noir films from the 30s and 40s and 50s um, so I mean I can't imagine especially as a, a critic um, going and seeing a movie like this and just kind of seeing uh, and even now when I watch it, how, like the courtroom scene um, with Pentangeli and Michael and everyone, uh, <clears throat> I, I I would never, I don't think I'd ever see another Hollywood movie that would shoot a courtroom scene like that. It feels like you're watching a news. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like this, it's this wide shot and there's just people everywhere and nothing's, nothing's set up dramatically, I guess. Yeah. Like if you were watching a movie now, um... Or even like, uh, what did we? What was the first movie we watched? Shawshank Redemption. The camera's placed in a way to make it very dynamic. The 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 main characters right in the center of the room. The lawyer standing. Everybody else is sitting. And then in this, it, it almost feels like there was an actual court being done, and they just set a camera in the center of the room, and they were allowed to by the news, you know. And so there's so much of that in, in these movies that make me very interested in. The whole movie. I mean, everything about it that pulls me in. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I like the courtroom scene. It <clears throat> it had a cool feeling of chaos in there, which mm-hmm. seemed very real or realistic. That uh, at the end, when Frankie uh, Pantangelo or Pantangeli, <clears throat> when he he denied anything he said, when uh, who are the judges, the senators, the yeah. mayor, whoever they are, yeah, all whoever, those people. <clears throat> All these people who are on on the on the board, I guess, <clears throat> when they all seem kind of shocked and an uproar, it, it seems so real to me, and I and I really like that. Yeah, when he said, um, "I don't know no Godfather," yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, <clears throat> that's what he always said. It's like I worked with them, yeah. the olive oil business. That's funny when you mention um, the Tommy gun <clears throat> about like it's kind of the new. It, it reminded me of. Well, it's obviously a fake movie, but off Home Alone when yeah, well, when that's they exactly said like it. yeah, when they say like I believe it, but my Tommy gun don't yeah. Well, that's what I think because I mean that's that seems to be what all those movies were, um, and but I guess I, before we get into the movie, this was your first time of watching. We mentioned this last time, but you had seen the uh, Coppola edit where they he edited the one and two in in um, chronological orders. So this is the first time you've seen the movies. As standalone yeah, movies. As standalone. So, what was your general takeaway? <clears throat> well, I'll say uh, comparing this to the first one. Oh, be, well, before I compare, I'll say this movie was very good, and <clears throat> and just like number one and two on IMDb, Shawshank Redemption, Godfather one. I think this is deserving its place for many reasons. Um, <clears throat> if I had to choose which one was better, Godfather one or Godfather two, I would say one, and and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> First, I think entertainment value, I think this one's just a bit more boring. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> whereas number one, I never felt bored. I, I wouldn't say I felt bored on in this one at all, but it, it just had a little more boring atmosphere to me. Um, <clears throat> so I could see kind of to a wider audience. Uh, again, it's like mentioned my wife. I remember when she watched it, we watched the Capulli cut when – by the second one, she had no idea what was going on. She couldn't focus. She didn't care anymore. Um, it just kind of has that little more boring feeling. Uh, 
<clears throat> number two though is one thing that makes movies tv shows these things great for me are characters and the thing i loved about number one is i love the characters i love the godfather Vito. um i loved sunny a and i feel like <clears throat> a lot of these side characters in the first one you'd get to know a little more they'd have character development they would die and in number two you had some good characters but i feel like they weren't uh, it just in my opinion i felt like you didn't have as many developed characters um like the first one that i really felt like i connected with this one you had it, it just seemed a lot more focused on michael than the first one seemed a lot more focused on multiple people whereas this, i mean obviously Vito too the old but i yeah but they're, they're kind of like separate storylines so yeah, I don't, and I don't really necessarily disagree with that. I, I, I've always kind of maintained that I like both equally, but, <clears throat> but part of the reason is I think the first one, I think I like the first one more, <clears throat> for the reasons you're saying. But I do think that um, number two has some of my favorite scenes. Uh, I love the, um, I love the scene when uh, Michael slaps. Okay, yeah. Like that to me is one of the best scenes in, in both movies, and and I love um, and a big thing, especially with this movie, and I think it's true for both movies, but especially in this one, <clears throat> there's the assassination attempt on Michael, right? And so <clears throat> Michael then goes to Hyman Roth and tells Hyman Roth that um, that Pantan he thinks Pantangeli is the one that did it, yeah, and because. Uh, because there's the issues with, um, because because he, he's not allowing Pantangeli as far as I'm trying to remember the order of things, but he's not allowing Pantangeli <clears throat> to take over more of what he wants to do or whatever. Well, right? it's it's uh, Pantangeli. What was it? It was <clears throat> Pantangeli got that the area to to run from after Clemenza died mm -hmm. and. And supposedly they, so I was reading about this, I would never find this from the movie, but they were saying supposedly they think the Rosada Brothers, this is why it's called Rosada Brothers, um, or Rosada. It's, so. um, <coughs> yeah, it's, or is it the, uh, yeah, Rosado. Yeah, the, <coughs> they, some people think they had to do with Clemenza's death because they were promised that if he died, they got part of it. But then Pantangelo said, no, I'm not doing it. So there was a huge issue with that. Yeah. So, so, but, but this is what I think for me, because this movie to me is, is really confusing. Yeah. Um, but as part of the fun for me, uh, is so he, so there's the assassination attempt. He goes to Roth and he says, Pantangeli is going to pay for what he did because he says Pantangeli is behind it. <coughs> The next scene, he goes to Pantangeli and says Roth was behind it, and he tells Pantangeli, "Just, just be nice to the Rosado brothers for the time being." And Pantangeli gets all upset, right? Yeah. Now I don't know about you, but I'm not sure who, who I'm supposed to believe or like which, like I I don't know when I'm especially when you're first watching it. <clears throat> What is the audience supposed to believe? It, does the audience believe that <coughs> Pentangeli's behind it, or or I mean, because Michael says both, and he's obviously playing this game, but you can't 
I can't follow yeah. what I'm supposed to think. And, and and I think it's just like with the first one, it falls in that same trap of when you can kind of read synopsis or synopses or whatever that word is <clears throat> and see it, you can start seeing clues of saying, oh, okay, I get it. But it's like when you're watching it, I, I agree. I thought the same thing. Like, so who was behind this? Yeah. Which one? Because it was confusing when also in the Rosada brothers, <clears throat> um, when Pantangelo or Pantangeli goes to them and then they try to kill him. Mm-hmm. And I think, and they say about like Michael, Michael says hi yeah. or whatever he says. <clears throat> then I think to myself, okay, so that's what it is. But then I realized after reading stuff, he told Tom before that, as far as I remember that, it was Roth. So I think we are supposed to know that Michael thought it was Roth, although we don't know as an audience who it actually was. But I think through that, we're supposed to assume that Michael thinks it's Roth, but he's trying to play both sides because maybe he doesn't know for sure. And yeah, it's like this whole thing. And and so it just kind of confuses. Well, yeah. it seems to be, and, and here's the thing, is from what I understand, the assassination attempt happens and Michael's Michael knows somebody in the compound had betrayed him. Yeah. But he doesn't know who, and that's why he leaves, right? Yeah. But he knows or he's confident that it's Roth that was behind everything. So he goes but he tells him it's Pantangeli <clears throat> so that Roth doesn't isn't scared of Michael. Yeah, so he doesn't think yeah. Michael suspects him. <clears throat> but then so when he goes but he goes to Pantangeli, he tells Pantangeli the truth. But he also knows there's issues with Pantangeli. So Hyman Roth tells the the Rosado brothers to tell him Michael said hi so they he thinks that Michael betrayed him. The the assassination <clears throat> attempt goes bad. So therefore Pantangeli runs to the police or at least gets captured by the police yeah. and decides to turn on michael fun fact i don't know if you read this or not um pantangeli was actually supposed to be uh um man uh what's his name uh from the the big fat guy from the first one clemenza yeah that was supposed to be clemenza but clemenza refused to come back oh and so and it actually would make to me it would actually make the movie better even though i think it's like the best movie ever um because you're seeing it would tie it into the first one more, and it would tie it into the flashback more. Because you're seeing the the uh, you're seeing him, Clemenza when he's younger, yeah, and now you're seeing him as he's betraying his his uh, Vito's son. <clears throat> but um, but yeah, I guess uh, so. Uh, Coppola was saying that um, Clemenza, the actor, said he would come back, but he wanted like this ridiculous amount of money, and <clears throat> Coppola was like, "Fine, I'll pay you like myself. I don't care. I just want you back." <clears throat> And then he was like, also, my girlfriend gets to write, like, all my dialogue. And 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 uh, uh, Coppola was like, what? Like, that can't happen. So anyway, he ended up basically saying, like, I guess you're not coming back. So he had to invent this new character um, and say that Clemenza died and Pantangeli well, and, and that And that makes a lot more sense because, to me, I thought, although I thought, like, the whole story around the character was cool, I just thought it was, like, an odd thing to just say... Well, Clemenza's dead, and this guy took over the thing. I yeah, just thought, just who random. the heck is this guy yeah. that just? <clears throat> and you had to make up a backstory instead of just having Clemenza. So yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> the only thing that doesn't make sense to me, and maybe you know, but when you're talking about the assassination attempt that went bad, <clears throat> it almost seemed like it just ended up being a complete fluke because 
when you say they are they, the Rosado brothers tell him <clears throat> about Michael, or he says hello. It wouldn't even have mattered because if it weren't for the policemen coming in, he would have died. So it wouldn't have mattered if they if he thought it was Michael or not because he would have just been dead. I don't know, and that's something that's always confused me too because I'm not sure if if there's a. I've never really looked it up, but I'm not sure if the idea is just that they were just trying to rub salt in the wound and basically be like your best friend betrayed you yeah. as we kill you. Because it just seems so convenient yeah. that like they they leave him for dead, and then it's like, well, good thing they said Michael was involved in this. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't <laughs> fully know, um, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't fully know. But um, it is kind of weird uh, because who cares who did it if he, if they're gonna kill him, right? I mean, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> not sure. Yeah. And- <clears throat> Yeah, and I, I, I think part of this thing with <clears throat> with him, it, 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 uh, we mentioned this last last time, and, and I and maybe we'll kind of change direction with this, but <clears throat> despite me thinking number one's better, I there are things about this one that I really like, and <clears throat> and things about it that I really like. Are the direction it goes kind of with the theme and the moral of it? We talked about this last time, but how <clears throat> how things change. So one of the best scenes, because it's such a great foreshadow, and but it's so small and seems insignificant. When he's talking, when Michael's talking to his mom, talking to Mama, right? That's what they call it. Um, <clears throat> and he basically tells her some problems like about family and and he and she says you'll always have family or whatever something like that and he says times are changing or something to that effect so i can't like quote it but or things are different now and i and i think and we talked about this last time on i love how the second one fits so well with the first one with this change because it's this huge foreshadow and i feel like it's this huge theme of the movie of saying that's the whole point of the veto thing showing because when I first watched the movie or when I'm first watching it, I'm thinking it almost seems like it'd be better if these were two separate movies, like Vito's background and what Michael's doing right now. <clears throat> but um, but once you find out what the theme of the movie is, it fits perfectly. You start realizing the whole point is when you connect those two stories plus with the first one, you see how Vito turned out. And you see where he came from. You see why his family was like they were. You see how close he was to his family. How he did everything for them. Despite Vito not necessarily being the best guy. He had everything. Everything was for his family. <clears throat> Yet Michael is showing kind of the opposite. He's he's trying to make things legitimate. And what he's turned into is a businessman. Why? Because times are changing. Things are changing. He's not in that in that um culture anymore he's not he's not like his dad and he wants to make legitimate legitimate he's american he's not italian and even though he's italian american he he really leans toward the american side and and i just love the whole thing of the k getting rid of her and because it really does show how he's not like his father at all even though he's still the don but he it's like this huge theme of the movie and that's why at the end where to me it doesn't make sense at the beginning while they're showing Vito and Michael because I'm like what is this it, it 
it makes perfect sense at the end and it wraps up so well and that's what i love about the movie i think it's a better well yeah and 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 i think that to me like the, these movies become endless in those type of insights where where when you watch because i agree like when you first watch it you're like well we're kind of bouncing around to to two different things and and they don't have heavy-handed parallels necessarily like the 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 um or the flashbacks versus michael stuff yeah uh, maybe sometimes, but but in general, it's like you're watching. You're watching. What I love about it is that Vito, even though um, Marlon Brando didn't come back for the second one, and he was supposed to, he was supposed to be in that last scene, yeah, and then he like wondering. didn't show up, and so then they had to like film it without him. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> even though he's not in it, um, and he never, and he's obviously never with Michael, his uh, presence kind of casts a shadow over the whole movie. Part of that is because you're watching this flashback. But I think the flashbacks also help remind you that I think in Michael's mind, it's his father and his past is weighing on him. And he's kind of a man torn between the two worlds. He's a man that's like, he wants to be like his dad, you know, back in 1920, living that life. But he's also being sucked into this side of with Kay and everything, which is a disaster and it's all falling apart. So he's like trying to be this different person. And, and this is what's so good. And like I said, um, the second one has some of my favorite parts, but they, but they're, you, I can't, I can't separate them from the first movie, and what I mean by that is, the scenes like, the opening scene of him talking to um, Senator Geary, I think it was his name was, yeah, um, it, it mirrors the opening scene of the first movie, where Mike, it's at a party, Michael's giving out favors, he's the powerful person. But this time he's talking to a politician, and the politician has no respect for him or his family at all. The politician's laughing at him, calling him names. <clears throat> and Michael is so angry about it. But you can it's a perfect start of the movie where you, even though you may not notice it the first time, like I didn't notice the first time, but looking at it, it's a perfect um, setup for look at what look at what's happened with Michael and his, and the family now. Where in the first movie it starts and you see the respect and the love and the power. In this one you see Michael still has power, but things are not going like they were. Same thing when Michael <clears throat> learns of his um, the miscarriage, which turns out to be an abortion. But when he learns out about the miscarriage from Tom, there's a similar scene when Tom has to tell Vito that his son died. And Vito is like comforts Tom. He gives him time to drink. He's like, "What's wrong?" It's this sad emotional thing, but it's also very loving. Where Michael in this one just yells at Tom. Tom's like, "I hate to bring this to you," and and Michael gets really angry. And then it goes to the point where at the end, he tells Michael tells um, uh, Fredo, "You're nothing to me. You're not my brother. You're not family." I don't ever want to see you. All these things you could never see Vito ever doing, right? And Vito would never say that to anybody in his family. Yeah. Vito would never yell at Tom when Tom's trying to tell him that a loved one died. Um, Vito would never put up with someone talking to him like Senator Geary did. And so there's all these parallel scenes that show you what has happened. And then on top of it, it's all multiplied by the fact that you're watching Vito create and raise this family that he clearly loves a lot. And I like the scene a lot where it shows um, Vito standing there watching from afar while uh, Fredo is sick and yeah. the baby, and he's crying and he's kind of sad and he's like obviously kind of like distraught about it. But 
I don't know if it's the culture or whatever. He's not really able to do much. He just kind of watches the wife take care of him. And in that time, now we jump ahead and the brothers, the babies that they're raising are actually killing each other and betraying each other. And everything's just gone completely haywire. And so that's why I think the last scene with with Michael just sitting alone is so powerful in that it shows that everything his dad built and everything was all supposed to be about the family. And like you said, Michael's unwittingly turned that all around and now everything's about the company and he's destroyed everything in his own family. When... Yeah, and what's like the whole thing with Fredo, I mean, like, yeah, and that's what I, I realized <clears throat> when he said, like, I thought the same thing as you, when he talks and tells Fredo, you know, my brother, you're not my friend, I don't want to see you anymore. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, he knows, well, his mom's still alive, he has to see his mom, so he's like, if if you need to see her, I don't want to be around. And, and and I thought the same thing, it's, it's one of those things Vito would never do, Vito seems... <clears throat> After, you know, Michael kind of supposedly betrayed him by going to college and going to the military and not wanting to be any part of it, he was still completely willing to take him back and and 100% forgive him and just say, yeah, you're you're the new leader. Uh, <clears throat> but one probably the most powerful scene, other than the mom scene, I thought, that foreshadow, but <clears throat> that kind of brings us all together, is when he's talking to Tom... And he accuses Tom when Tom gets like a uh, <clears throat> a job off to be vice president of something, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then he's Michael says we well, didn't tell me what well, the earlier in the movie Michael tells Tom that he doesn't tell him certain things because he's like I respect you too much. Whereas Vito obviously told Tom everything, mm-hmm. and Tom just seems to take it and just say whatever. <clears throat> but it's like this scene later in the movie. Michael, <clears throat> Michael, basically like, why didn't you tell me you got this offer? And Tom's like, because I turned it down. It's like, do you want me to tell you every offer I turned down? And then Michael basically accuses him and is like, you can leave, take your wife, your mistress, your kids, everyone, and leave. And Tom's like, why are you doing this to me? And then Michael just basically says, okay, okay, so you're with me. And, but it, it shows this thing of... <clears throat> I think like Tom out of everyone is kind of like the straight man kind of what you'd see of sure he does bad things just like everyone but it's he's very level-headed he does what he needs to and he's like extremely connect the family they say he's adopted I guess technically adopted I don't know but yeah they brought him in they, they, he, they just met him I think he, on the street as a teenager and he had no family and they brought him in and that's why that he's not he's not a Sicilian or Italian or anything and that's what the big yeah so <clears throat> but um but but it's like he's seen as that but like michael after all that yeah again it's turned this businessman everything turns into non-loyalty anymore he just starts telling tom basically if you don't if if you're not gonna be honest with me you're not gonna do what i say like get out whereas you think where is all the loyalty like the person Fredo, okay, maybe you can understand, but you'd have to understand that he has a lot of problems. But Tom, who's been the straight man, who did everything his his father wanted, <clears throat> and who stood by Michael through all this, helped him through everything, Michael basically told him he, he can leave. And so, again, he turns everything into this business side of things and this politics side to where 
your loyalty is completely gone. You don't care. You just care about the power. You don't care about family. And, and and again, it's like even keeping the kid with Kay, who says, you don't think I'd let the, you take the kids. Well, I, from Michael's personality, I can't imagine that he wants the kids so much as he wants the power. He doesn't want to give up, you know, that power of saying somebody can control things he has and does. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, I, uh, what was I going to say? There was, um. I, I think that's the genius in this, like you said already, the the two movies. <clears throat> they they continue as one large story arc. And and they don't and so the and even the third one does it, but I think just not to <clears throat> as good of a uh, it, it didn't work as well. But the movie, the first one I think standalone is fantastic. But the second one just continues it to me seamlessly to the point where you just continue to kind of see this downfall of Michael. And like you said, I, I, I'm sure he loves his kids and he cares about them, but he becomes so obsessed with everything that... And, and again, I think it has to do with the, 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 his relationship with his dad and feeling like he's filling, he has to fill these shoes, that it, it becomes... Um, it just becomes his downfall. It becomes a... a yeah, a, a nightmare in that in that way. Um, <clears throat> but there was something else I was gonna say, but I can't remember. Yeah. I forgot what I was gonna say. Well, <clears throat> I <clears throat> so like you talked about the mirroring, like the opening scene. It's basically, the last scene is like a mirror of the first one too. Other than <clears throat> with the deaths or that. Yeah, the deaths, scene? not okay. the <clears throat> yeah, not the very last scene, but <clears throat> with the deaths, it's basically the same. Although. I actually like this ending better with the deaths. I, I don't know what it was, but I again, I <clears throat> what I was talking about, like the theme of the movie um, and what makes it genius, I just love the ending. I think it's, it's so good. Um, <clears throat> another thing about the loyalty, again, it's a huge theme. Rocco, um, one of Michael's, I don't know, men. The, hit, the hitman? Hitman, yeah. <clears throat> Is he the one that strangled? Who was Rocco? <clears throat> No, Rocco, so there's, um, <clears throat> what is his name like? Oh, man. Nero? Sure. Um, N- N- Neri. N- yeah, Neri. It's not Neri. It's like Nadir, Nad. <clears throat> Something like that. But there's two of them. And that guy, the other guy, he's the one who shoots Fredo at the end okay. in the boat. <clears throat> well, there's Al Neri. Yeah, Al Neri. That's yeah. who it is. <clears throat> he's the one that shoots Fredo. Rocco's the other one who's with him. A lot, and he's the one who, at the end, kills Hyman Roth. Yeah. And, <clears throat> again, it's this other, it's another theme of the loyalty showing, here's a right-hand man that, sure, I mean, you put yourself in dangerous situations, They everyone knows the risks, and someone like Vito's gonna, sure, maybe take the risk, but they're gonna know what risk they can and can't take. <clears throat> Whereas Michael literally just sent... Rocco on a kamikaze mission. Mm-hmm. He just like go kill him, knowing that there's no way he's getting away. Well, you're just yeah. Not only that, <clears throat> but also the fact that there was no need to kill him. Yeah, and that's the thing too with with that that scene where um, uh, Rocco and Tom and Michael are mm-hmm. discussing, and Tom says like, "There's no need to to take these guys out." Yeah, but but again, it shows that what you were saying with Michael and his his desire for power, and just like in the first one. 
Although you might be able to argue that the first one's more justified, but this, but Michael seems to be the way he kind of deals with chaos is by murdering everybody. Yeah. Like he and to the point where he murders his own brother. Where it's like if there are people who betray him, the only way he feels he knows how to get the loyalty and respect <clears throat> that he thinks he deserves is by showing that there's no mercy. Where I think there was there is a there is a an aspect of that with Vito, but Vito also everybody loved Vito. Um, if you go back to the the flashbacks, um, anyone that was that was the 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 immigrants and the people around him actually just really liked Vito. There was people who feared him, but it was the it was the landlords and the politicians and it, everyone else actually genuinely liked Vito and they respected him and he got his power because they liked him. And you look at Jenko, um, the guy in the beginning who Vito ends up naming the um, his company after. It's, they they genuinely just respect Vito for being a human being, and nobody nobody respects Michael for just being Michael. Yeah, like nobody does. And and the only way to maintain that power is to show that even if a brother betrays him, he's going to kill that brother. Yeah, yeah, and I and I that's why I think it's it's such a good ending uh, <clears throat> because yeah, it just proves the kind of person Michael is, and that's why K wanted to leave, and Michael keeps saying, you know, at the beginning, it's like. Kay says, <clears throat> you said five years and it's been seven to make things legitimate. And he said, I know, I'm trying. And when Kay is trying to leave, he says, no, I'm going to change. But obviously at that point, we already know he's not going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and I mean, I guess I guess, kind of going with the ending too, the, the one scene that was so good too is when Tom was talking to Pantangeli about killing himself, the whole Roman thing. And, <clears throat> and, and kind of going to that and... and, and saying how back in the day how the Corleone family ran it they were like the Roman Empire and how the Roman Empire <clears throat> when they took over places what they would do is the the head of the people they took over commit suicide so then their family would be safe and get taken care of is that true i don't know that's what they say <clears throat> um <clears throat> i mean i like history i'm not like a historian i mean i've i've learned a decent amount about rome but i don't know about that uh <clears throat> But I just love that whole thing of, uh, it's kind of this, it shows kind of a smart side also of killing, of saying, listen, you know, you're, we know you're in custody, but we know you have family that we can take down. So therefore you just need to commit suicide. And and so again, it, it keeps showing these things I'm like. They they do awful things. Well, I mean, it's a very it's... loving way to <clears throat> to um, murder somebody or ask yeah. someone to murder themselves. It's like, hey, <clears throat> if you just do this and make it easy on us, we'll take care of your family. And uh, and he doesn't seem angry about it. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. just like, well, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that makes sense. But that's the thing too. At this movie, um, you, like you talked about, how Tom's not a great guy. But the when when Senator Geary wakes up and there's that like. Teenage hooker. I don't know if she was teenage. I think yeah. she was teenage. But anyway, she's dead. And you realize, like, it's kind of clear that that Tom set that up. Yeah. And, like, they're actually... Tom's actually out. Now, I don't know if he did it personally. But, again, this 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 um, mirrors the horse head thing, right? Yeah. Where... But this time, it's, like, actually, like, a young girl who has, like, a problem... A, problem, a lot of problems, obviously. And they just kill her. And they use her as a way to just control... Geary, um, you know, it's one of those things where you realize, wow, this is a lot, uh, 
it gets i guess it just gets a little more dark than just a horse head um, yeah and uh yeah i i feel like the second one kind of kind of uh, yeah feels a little darker in that way and, and i will say that the the one thing that i love um the most about these movies and especially in the second one is it's part of the confusion but it's part of what makes me love it is pretty much essentially every conversation michael has in the whole movie he's never being honest yeah like everything he says <clears throat> there's a hidden truth in there that you have to figure out and it's not always easy but to me that makes the movie uh, really almost genius level where you're watching this movie and and there's never really the scene i mean maybe there is but it, but but there's never really a scene where he's like by the way and he says it to a character but for the audience's help by the way i'm lying to all these people and nothing i've said is true and here's what i actually think <coughs> everything everything that he's doing and why he's doing it what he th- thinks you have to you have to glean it from all the conversations he's having and and to me it it becomes so interesting and powerful in that way that very few movies are able to accomplish and even books and uh and and i just i love that aspect of it and that's honestly what to me is the worst thing about the third one is the third one does not maintain that michael's always had lays out his hand completely to everybody and it doesn't make any sense but yeah and because that's what i realized because you know we talked about earlier we talked like Pantangeli talks to Roth and then even when he talks to Fredo it becomes <clears throat> you're never 100% sure even if he is telling the truth it's like as the audience you're always thinking I mean it's like when he tells Fredo when he gets to Cuba when Fredo gets Cuba he says there's when I leave their assassination gonna happen but I have it in place that Roth isn't gonna see the new year but it's like still I'm I'm always like but is he telling the truth like who knows like nobody yeah it's like I it's weird you have a main character that you can literally never trust you never know what they're because almost every movie in a main character you know exactly what their end goal is like you know what the truth is even though if they're lying to everyone it's clear what the truth this is like the only one I mean you know what his end goal is but you don't know who he's lying to because because nobody knows who's the actual person that's tried to assassinate him so it just becomes i'm not sure if this is a game to try to lure people out or if this is like what he really thinks yeah, yeah. And, and, and 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 at that point i think i think that's probably one of the most honesties being in the movie because i think that whole scene with fredo is is all truth because he doesn't realize what happened with fredo until right out yeah during that sex show or whatever <clears throat> Which is, always seems another, I guess that's another thing, it's like a little too convenient where, I, I mean, I guess you're supposed to chalk it up to Fredo just being dumb, because that's like kind of the big thing about him, but <clears throat> it seems like it's such a dumb thing to where he, it's so obvious that he needs to pretend like he doesn't know the people, doesn't know Roth or, um, dang on, what's that guy's name? Uh, yeah, that guy, the bodyguard guy. <clears throat> Yeah, shoot, I can't even remember his name now. He's like a big... I'll figure it out here. Yeah, um... <clears throat> and then, and yeah, and then at the, like, sex show thing, he just, like, blurts it out as if it's just normal. And I and I think it's crazy. Like, maybe he's just really drunk, but I don't think he'd be that drunk. I mean, it, it's something that's 
obviously such a secret and needs to be on the down low that you wouldn't just be blurting out uh, <clears throat> something like that. You would just Johnny Ola. Yeah, Johnny Ola. There you go. Yeah, I, well, and I, but I think it is just chalked up to. to him being dumb. I mean, because it is. I mean, that's the whole thing with him. All he, I mean, that, and that's what's funny too with the first and second one is, is he's just really into sex. Uh, those are like the, the his main characteristics. Um, but he's just an idiot, and, and and that and I think that first scene with the in the movie, the, the scene in the first movie with um, Mo Green, you know, really establishes like we already we already knew that he was uh, dumb, but he goes there and he's supposed to be working i guess i don't even remember but basically all he's doing he's just a he's just a, a, a son of a rich kid he's just a rich kid yeah i mean he, he's not working he's just sleeping with all the cocktail waitresses and he's just living life because he's rich and even in that is as, as it to me I, I just love that character because i love son, to me like sunny michael and fredo are all like perfect rich kids like they're all exactly like like perfect characters Characterizations of rich kids, um, of the hothead and the, the the guy who thinks he can do whatever he wants and get away with it, and then the, just the rich kid who does nothing and just sleeps with everybody and spends tons of money, and then Michael who who's the smart one who you know takes over the company and everything. I, and I just I, those those care, and then the and then the fact that how the world changes and they change with it, and how every the culture moves and everything, it's just so interesting. But one thing that um, Mario Puzo, who wrote the book in the movies with and he wrote the movies with coppola um so the book the the book is the first movie and the flashback scenes of the second movie but everything that happens in the second movie that's not the flashback is all made up for the movie it's not in the book um and puzo i guess was very (laughs) against uh coppola came to him and said i want to do a sequel and he he told him what he wanted to get done, and he, and he said it needs to end with Michael killing um, uh, Fredo, and Coppola was completely against it because he was like Michael would never do that; it doesn't make sense. Um, and uh, but Coppola was like the only way this movie's going to work is if I get him if if he kills him at the end. So he came up with all these different scenarios and stuff and they talked about it and he eventually convinced Puzo that it would it does make sense. And it's just interesting because the creator of these characters, Puzo, in his mind that was just never going to happen. Like that would it doesn't make any sense. But I think Coppola and and his grasp on these characters in the world it's not a stretch I don't think at all. It makes it makes complete sense in the trajectory Michael's been going. Um, and I think they leaned into it more, in, into a more destructive way than probably Puzo was intending Michael's character to be when he first wrote the book. Yeah. Um, he probably didn't see Michael's life becoming such a mess. But it, like I said, it all makes sense. I don't think I've never heard anybody complain about the movie and just say, "Well, I think it's just too far that he'd kill his brother." Yeah. Yeah. No, and I I agree. I I think <clears throat> that's why I again. I, <clears throat> When you're comparing the first and second one, I think the reason the first one's better, I mean, not just because of the reasons I said, but because <clears throat> it is more of a standalone movie. You can just watch it and you can just say, <clears throat> if I didn't watch a second one or anything, this movie is just awesome. The thing with the second one, it's almost, <clears throat> and that's why like after watching it, I understand that Coppola cut 
where they just do everything in chronological order and they um, combine it because <clears throat> it's so connected with the first one. I mean, and obviously general sequels, like you have to watch the first one, but it just seems like such a continuation that it's like some of these other things where you, you say almost that alone, despite all these good things about it. And there's things like you're saying, I like even better about the second one. It, it, it almost makes just the first one by default better because it's a standalone movie if literally if everything else is equal. Yeah, and, and I don't disagree with that at all. And plus, like you said, I think there are there's really awesome characters that I like that just aren't in the second one. Um, but I, I love that the, the flashback stuff I, I think is so good, which we haven't really talked any about that yeah. at all. But, but everything in that I think is really entertaining. I think Robert De Niro... Uh, is like they did a really good job making him feel like Vito and making his character the, the character and that's the thing with these movies to me is all these characters feel so real um these characters seem to all have actual backgrounds actually exist in a world and when you watch like Vito's character there's so many ways you could take a character like that but the idea of having him be like this small skinny kid who never talks and then when he gets older he still doesn't talk much <coughs> And and he's just an interesting character where I think if if they were to make it today or like Scorsese or something made it, I feel like he'd be this like fast talking yeah. wise guy, cool guy. And he never comes across like that at all. He's just really smart and he's quiet and um and he's absolutely set on on making something of himself and existing in a world and kind of avenging what happened when he was younger. It obviously was so traumatizing to him that when he moved to America, he refused to allow anybody to hurt him or his family like <clears throat> Ciccio did. Yeah. <clears throat> and and that's what I like about... <clears throat> yeah, that, that backstory is... Like we already mentioned, like he seems like he's a nice guy, but it just seems like a theme of both the movies is... <clears throat> here you have these people who seem like they're just nice people but they grow up in a certain <clears throat> culture to where <clears throat> what they're doing doesn't necessarily seem bad they just know they have to do certain things in order to yeah basically in order to survive and <clears throat> and it's like we talked about in the first one when he's like i don't want to get into drugs after all the things he does he doesn't want to get into drugs because that's bad. I mean, it just seems like crazy, but <clears throat> but some but it it seems pretty cool just watching it because you realize, or it seems, well, he's this good kid who had like tons of trauma when he was young. I mean, his whole family was murdered, uh, <clears throat> and he he got a wife when when he was at the theater watching that show um jenko was like oh isn't she pretty and and Vito's like yeah but i have a wife so it's like he's always completely loyal to his wife he loves his kids so he he's not like this bad guy who's just like sleeping around and and all that <clears throat> he he seems like a nice guy who just is you know has has a troubled background and you know, he lost his job because of the Don there, Don whatever his name is. I can't remember now. I think it's C oh, the, the first one, yeah. Yeah, the one in New York, yeah. not Ciccio. The... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you kind of, you know, it's like that, that mindset of being like, we came here, 
we're poor and I do what I need to survive, even if that means I have to go to rich people's house and steal stuff. Well, and, and, and I think, too, the, but yeah, and I think, but that actually to me makes, it makes you kind of understand the drug thing, the weird moral compass more, and it makes it more consistent when you realize that every, Vito is in survival mode in that he, ref, he will not, in his mind, there's going to be a, a, a mafia head. There's someone's going to be taking control of the streets and hurting people. Yeah. Now, and, and why? Because when he grew up, that's what it was like. And then he moves to America, and it's exactly what it's like. So the issue is, he can either allow that to happen to his kids, and his wife can get murdered, he can get murdered, his kids can get murdered, or he can take control and 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 provide a, a life for his family where they're happy. And he and he can provide um, benefits to the people around him. And sure, he'll have to he'll have to hurt people, but most of the time, as we see, it's people who are already it's these politicians, these other people who are corrupt. corrupt. He's not really out hurting people who are just people <coughs> on the street, like the Don early in New York is doing, where he's just ripping off he's just ripping off people who are already poor. Yeah. Um, where he sees an injustice and he goes, "If I can take control of this, I can have it," and so, and I can make it better. And so, well, why doesn't he want drugs? Because how are drugs helping him and his family? They're only just hurting the, peop- the, the the poor people on the street. Yeah. And again, I feel like there's this idea of like murder and stealing and all this stuff can happen, uh, blackmailing. But it all needs to happen to the rich people who are hurting people. The poor people need our help. And drugs and stuff are not helping anybody. And so I think, there again, you kind of there is this consistency... <laughs> Even though we may disagree with it, there is, I think, a consistency to his moral compass that that existed throughout his whole life, and um, that that provided him with the direction, and it provided him with the the peace he needed toward the end of his life of like I stayed true to these things because Michael clearly can't run things the way they needed to be run. It all fell apart, but neither could Vito because Vito couldn't change with the times and run the drugs like he needed to. Yeah, so. <clears throat> So to me, when you see those flashbacks and you see where he came from and how things ran and why he did the things he did, it suddenly makes more his moral compass kind of comes into focus. And as awful as these people are, you do realize that they are people with feelings. Or he's not actually a person with feelings, but um, that he that the character is a person with feelings that actually does have an internal morality that is you know as consistent as anybody else's, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, and I guess it just yeah, it's just one of those things that proves just your culture and how you grow up. <clears throat> it changes, just changes the way that you view the world and kind of things that you're supposed to do and and things that you feel you have responsibility to do. <clears throat> and, and so it's with all these, I, I think that's what makes the movies time, like you're saying, timeless and makes them so good because. <clears throat> The themes of the movie and the morals and the characters, all these things just fit perfectly. It just seems real. All all the uh, the scenes like you're talking about, the courtroom just seems this real scene. It doesn't seem like it's Hollywooded up, however you'd say that. But <clears throat> And then just Michael when he talks to people, it, it's like everything's just real. Like nothing nothing's just over the top i mean sure you can say like but the second one doesn't have as much i know the first one has like some like you know a lot of just like shooting and random stuff but <clears throat> but it seems like second one overall doesn't have just things all over the top it's just dialogue a lot of dialogue yeah and people just doing things and it just seems real like nobody's 
going over the top of what you would think is realistic. Like when people are getting angry, they're getting angry at like realistic things, not just like, oh, you you said something mean, now I'm going to start like shooting everyone. Well, and that's the thing too. And I think it helps that the movie's set in the 50s, but shot in the 70s. Because for you and me, 70s were a long time ago. Yeah. And so it feels dated like the camera and everything. But I feel like that helps it make it feel in the 50s. So it almost like makes it, it's dated, but almost like in a good way. Yeah. Because I don't feel like I'm watching a movie from the 70s. <coughs> I mean, I am in some ways. The the, 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 the cinematography and stuff, um, if you watch other movies from the 70s, you can kind of see a similarity. But, but I think especially when I was younger and I didn't have any of that. When I'm watching this movie, it almost felt like I was surprised when it wasn't made in the 50s. I was like, oh, wow, this is like, this looks old. And then plus when he's in the 1917 in New York, it looks old. Um, Sicily looks old. I mean, all this stuff looks really good. And and one last thing, because I assume we'll wrap up here soon. Yeah. Um, one thing I think is really cool is how much attention to detail there is. Um, so, like, you know, the uh, when the mom gets shot by... Uh, 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 Sitio or whatever, and yeah, three like, gang, yeah, and then, <clears throat> or wait, no, not then. Sorry, when um when Vito goes back and kills the Don, yeah, and then they're running away, and one of the guys gets shot, mm-hmm. one of his friends gets shot, and they drag him away. Well, he, that's the guy. I don't even remember, but in the first movie, when uh, Michael's getting married to Apollonia, and they're like in the wedding party, and they're walking, and there's someone being pushed in a wheelchair. That's the guy because he. He got shot and he was never able to walk again. Yeah. And it's just weird when you watch it again, it makes it feel again like real because they weren't even planning on making a second one, but they still have that character who's never even mentioned who's in a wheelchair because he got shot a long time ago. And there's just crazy details like that throughout the whole movie where you're like, I can't, I can't believe they actually spent time. And it's like everyone in the background actually has full names, even though they're not yeah. even mentioned and you don't have lines. It's like Coppola knew everybody in every scene and what they what part they played in everybody's lives and that ridiculous detail i think adds to the feel of the movie just like the courtroom scene there's people walking around handing people papers and people talking and you're like what are they doing and 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 how do you direct this like do you just say like hand this person papers and pretend to talk to them like did everyone i don't know how he did it but it it really gives a feeling of reality yeah and I, that's why i say kind of yeah as you said wrap up yeah i just love that <clears throat> They have people in the other movies and, you know, I'd look online and just be the most random people and I'd be like, oh, this person actually has a name and a background and it's just like, it's insane. And, and I and I love it because the movies are so good. It's, you want more so then you actually read about it and think, oh, that's interesting. Like, I actually know background this like most random character who has like one line. <laughs> and <clears throat> so it's just a cool thing that, yeah, that they do. But <clears throat> Well, um... We should probably wrap it up. The next one we're going to watch is Dark Knight Rises. It's number three on IMDb. Number four. Oh, it's number four, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've both seen it. Yeah. We've both seen, seen it. it. But I haven't seen times. it. I haven't seen I've only seen it once, but it's been a while. So I'm definitely watching it again. Are you going to watch the first one too? I watched the first one. <clears throat> I probably watched the first one about five years ago or so. So I, 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 I've watched that a couple times. I'm pretty well... I remember it enough that I can't imagine watching the second one. I'm going to be confused. And I actually just watched the first one a couple months ago just as a coincidence. So, yeah. Yeah, so we'll watch it and, and we'll have a lot to talk about. All right, well, thanks for listening and we will see you next time.